Okay, now it's the time for the leader to qualify. Please stand when sharing, so all may hear and see. Well, since there's no chair here, I mean, so. No, 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 no. Well, okay, you can have it. I'm going to stand anyway. So, it's fine. Um, as I get older, everything is funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'd th- like, like to thank Casey for asking me to share. I know a lot of you. Uh, my name is Iron. I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, just to qualify first, uh, my abstinence date is September 7th of 1983. So um, March 7th will be 32 and a half years. I am a hundred pounder. I've dropped some weight lately again. Uh, my high weight was somewhere between 325 and 330. And like I share that um, when I came in, my driver's license said that I either, and I don't remember this, I either weighed 248 or 265 on that license. And it said I was 511. And um, the thing is, when I came into the program, I was between 308, 310, somewhere around there, but I've never been over 5'7 in my life. <laughs> and, 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 and like what Marty, my sponsor of 30 years now, says, he says, that's what we do, we lie. You know. And um, I want to speak about Marty. He's a great guy. You should get him here. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, he was kind of like the father I've never had, and I've he's been my spiritual guide I uh, still call my food into him he's 87 and um, he has leukemia he has, he's had leukemia for several years and been treating it and apparently uh, now they found some cells uh, in his throat and uh, it might be esophageal. They, they're, going to, he's, they're going to do an MRI. They're going to do all this. But here's the thing with Marty that has been incredible. Is he's willing to do anything it takes to, to deal with it. He's had health stuff. And that's something he has that I want. Like he has, he's, he's, he battles like with, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, macular degeneration. So like every other month, he gets a shot right in the, in, in the eye, a literal one. And he does it. And he doesn't complain about it. See? So that's something, I mean, what I have found over my time, uh, that stuff, the things that we consider problems, the scope of what they are change. I'm having more health things than I used to. I, I was di- diagnosed in... September 2009 with MS. However, I have since found out that I'm one of 10% of people with MS where it doesn't get worse. I have a bit of a tremor from a little bit of Parkinson's. Now, I'm not, you know, this is not a litany of, of, of health problems, but this is stuff that you deal with. And, and it's, it's a very interesting thing. You know, I mean, I see a lot of people in here. There's a lot of talk about relapse and you know, and that you're just because you're on your way to Chicago, you don't stop and I'll, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what I, you know, and I'm also sober from Pacific Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. Joe Harnell was my sponsor. His sponsor was, was and, and I learned a lot of stuff. Like 
sayings like, you got two eyes, two ears, one mouth, use them accordingly. You know, I learned that from him. I learned that, uh, like I was saying, you know, I'm from the valley, live in Calabasas. And at least there, there was a lot of kidding about, because of the university synagogue meeting on Wednesday nights, about the valley versus the city. And, and I hear this from you guys, too. It's like, oh, I have to drive all the way out to the valley. Like, like Sepulveda Pass is still a two-lane highway. You know. <laughs> you know. Um, but he said, but the, the saying is, we may not be pretty, but we are sincere. So, um, anyway, I'm here. And, and the, the essence is, though, though, I was thinking about this. Um, I have a very successful life. Um, I, was, I, I am a music arranger. In the business, I used to say early on in the program that a 325-pound drunk trumpet player in LA is a bad career move. You know, <laughs> you know, um, 95% of anything is how you relate to people, and that's what I found, especially in the entertainment business. You know, and I'm busier now than I've been in years. You know, busier now than, and, and like I'm 67. I came in at age 34. See. And so this, this idea, so what's my problem? The problem is I'm a narcissistic asshole. You know, I mean, most of the time I'm thinking about me. You know, so what is the, the thing? What is the God thing? You know, what is it? And it's very practical, man. It's like when I'm here talking to you, guess what I'm not thinking about? Me and my problems. You know, there's an old saying, if you want self-esteem, do estimable things. You know, and I remember uh, at one time uh, at Glendale Adventist Hospital, it was a huge meeting on Friday nights. I mean, just like Thalians was a huge meeting. And I'm sorry those days are gone, but, you know, it's changed. But anyway, so, you know, it's like I, I guess I spoke there. You know, you would you get called to speak. And at that time, there were meetings where there were leader speaker meetings. They were an hour and a half long. People weren't reluctant to share. I don't understand that in this in, this, in overeaters now at all. It's almost like a defiance. It's like who wants to share? Who wants to give service? Then somebody volunteers. Everybody claps because it ain't them, you know. <laughs> you know. But I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But the point being that I was asked one time, you know, like I was going to that meeting on a regular basis and a uh, huge meeting. And um, a girl came up to me after I talked and she said, I want to thank you for sharing, you know, and I said, you know, thank you. She says, no, you don't understand that I was here when you shared last year and that I took a job that, that took me up to Lake Tahoe. And especially in the winters, there are no OA meetings up there. But unbeknownst to you, I taped you. And this is before the, you know, podcast and all that. I taped you and I had the big book. And that year that I was up this last year, that's how I abstained. It's very difficult to hate yourself. I mean, you can, but it's very difficult to hate yourself when somebody says that to you. In other words, that, that I have worth, that I mean something here, you know. That's what this thing is. I mean, that's what the higher power is. It's like, you know, they say, for instance, you got a problem with food. 
And uh, here's a bunch of people in this room here, and some of you I know a long time, who are dealing with the problem gracefully when I can't. That's a power greater than me. There's that old saying in AA that I heard one of our speakers go. He said, in order to be successful at Alcoholics Anonymous, the only thing you have to know about uh, a higher power is to be reasonably clear you're not it. Reasonably clear. Not completely clear. Reasonably clear. See? See, and that, that's the whole thing, see? So what am I doing here? I'm, I'm up. I normally work late. I was in. I was. I lectured at Berkeley. I did a workshop for the music uh, uh, department up in Berkeley on Wednesday. Flew up there. They flew me back. It was great. Uh, I got to conduct some of the kids in the wind ensemble, and and with no self consciousness at all, and I fit. And see, that was not. That was a pro- the the most important thing I read when I really plunged into this was the third tradition. Says the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop eating. Now the way I read that was, oh, they can't kick me out. That's where my head was at. They can't kick me out. Fourth tradition says each group is autonomous, and what that means is every group has a right to be wrong, <laughs> including Serenity Sunday, which for some reason bans the Lord's Prayer. That that to me is ridiculous. It's ridiculous because this is not about like which religion you're at. This is about Recovering from compulsive overeating. And if anybody is offended, call, talk to your sponsor. I don't hear anything. I don't hear a single word in the Lord's Prayer that relates to this is Jesus Christ. So what's the problem? I mean, if they did an Indian prayer, you know, a Hindi prayer, what's the problem with that? Here's the other joke. Okay, that one of the prayers that they do prescribe is the prayer of St. Francis. <laughs> That's okay, but the Lord's Prayer isn't. Like, St. Francis is cool, but God ain't. You know? It's ridiculous. It's, it's being obsessed with something that has nothing to do with the program. You know? Now, I'm getting into an opinion, like we were talking about it. Like, the reading in for today is about opinions, you know? It's, everything's negative, but, but that's what we do. But guess what? I'm a human being. I don't have to be perfect. There is no perfect. What people call perfectionism here, I think, is people-pleasing. It's looking for constant approval. If I tell you what an asshole I am, maybe you'll like me. You know, that kind of stuff. And you don't have to. See, that's the, that's the thing. That's why I think Dr. Bob said to Bill, let's not, when he, on his deathbed, he said, let's not louse this thing up, let's keep it simple. But it's not easy. Simple and easier. Simple is direct. Like if when I'm writing music, I had to learn that um, you write as little as possible in order to get the get what you need. Just like overeating, I was guilty of overwriting. And I think and insecurity does that. By that by the way, I found out, and again this is my own experience, that the hole that we're trying to fill that we keep talking about is insecurity. And it's insecurity that gets me into trouble. I uh, happen to be, my philosophy politically is progressive, and both of my sponsors are conservative. But I don't argue with them. In fact, what I find is we have a lot more in common. See, you know, they say you can't, you can't argue religion or politics because, like, they're closely held beliefs. 
You know, so, and I'm not going to change anybody's mind. So what is this thing? It's this, this whole thing about reduction of ego. You know, it's, it's, it's that, that's what the whole thing is. That's what, you know, although in PG, we, do, we did use last names. You know, but, but what I'm saying is, and, and anonymity is another thing. You know, everybody thinks, I think the, the, at the beginning, that anonymity is about, well, nobody knows that I'm here and like everything is sacrosanct and, and you know, and there are a bunch of people know they won't talk and so on. I don't believe that that's the, the real spirit of anonymity. I mean, if you read the 12 traditions in either the AA 12 and 12 or the OA 12 and 12, and the only reason I know that is what Marty told me to do is read two pages a day, reread it, put it down. And I did that re- religiously for years. I don't do that like I did. But I got to know some of this stuff. You know. Um, but the truth about anonymity is it's a great equalizer. This is the only really, and with a small d, democratic, truly democratic society I've ever seen, in that everybody's equal. You know. In that everybody's equal. Which means, then, that if... Uh, I can recover, so can anybody else in here, because you're equal to me. See? It's not a less than, more than, greater than. Like, like, for instance, what I was taught was that when you take a chip, take it with enthusiasm, that the purpose of sharing is to inspire other people. And so when somebody gets up here and says, I don't think I deserve this, then don't take it. It's not about your achievement. See, this is what people don't understand. Okay? It's that it's about that for that at that period of time that you take the chip, Overeaters Anonymous worked where nothing else did. That's what it's about. And that's why we're applauding. The only place I've seen up and I've been at meetings all over the world, the only place I've there's we seem to applaud is here and in South Florida. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, well, there's nothing I can say about that. They don't applaud in New York. They don't applaud in San Francisco, but we applaud here. It's like a showbiz thing, you know. <laughs> See. And, and it's, OA has given me the tools to deal with everything that I ever dealt with that I didn't have before I came here. See. Without hurting myself. Right. So so that's what this thing is. Anybody can do this. Now, there's another thing I think that's misunderstood. And I'm, it's, I'm you know, I didn't know what I was going to share. I had ideas. But like Joe used to say to me, when you get a great idea, take a couple aspirin, go to bed. If you still have it in the morning, then call me. You know. So so. Um, See, and I'm so smart, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> um, but it's in, like, the steps. This whole thing, the spiritual thing, for me, is that I'm a selfish person who doesn't give a damn about anybody else to actually want to make a difference in the world around me. So it starts with, and it's interesting, three of the steps have the word admit in them. First step, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. There's no and in there, by the way. And what that says, if I'm overeating, my life is unmanageable. Okay? 
Then the fifth step says, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. So it's copying to like what's going on. And I don't do it perfectly. Believe me, there are times when I call my food in where I do make some changes that I don't call, you know, and stuff like that. There is no perfect. And I have overindulged occasionally, but there are certain foods I have not eaten, like red meat, any flour products, and I haven't. I have enough matzah, for those of you of the Jewish persuasion, to, to fulfill the Seder thing, but not like what I used to eat before, which would convert itself and transform itself into two pans full of matzah bry, which is fried matzah, for those of you who don't know, which is greasy and crispy and good. <laughs> and anybody who says you can't talk about food, screw yourself. You know, I cannot imagine being at a meeting where you can't talk about it. What is this political correctness? Oh, that's the other thing Joe used to say. I can love you so much it will kill you. See, what is love? Love is wanting you to win regardless of what you think of me. That's unconditional love, man. That's wanting you to get your, you know, especially somebody that I don't like. You know, and wanting them to succeed. You know? See, that's, and, and I learned this stuff here. I did not learn it in school. I did not learn, I learned it from my sponsors. So, you know, keep Marty in your thoughts because, you know, he's really given me a lot and a lot of people. And the thing is, the way you carry a message is the example you set. There's an old saying, too, you can carry a message, but you can't deliver it. You set it by example. So if you, start, if you act like an asshole, that's what people remember. Walls go up. I learned that stuff. I, got, I went through a divorce, abstinent. I needed a divorce sponsor. Now, oh, that, that reminds me about sponsors. There is a, I really don't agree with the way that OA describes it. Find somebody who has what you want, right? Problem is that when I'm nuts, I don't know what I want. I want everything. I want to be left alone. See? So what I tell people is find somebody you can talk to. And here's the other thing that compliance is not surrender. I mean, I can act as if, and at the beginning I think we need to do that. The other thing that I learned in PG is another word for the third step. The third step is you do what you're told. And another way of saying the third step is, all right, officer, I'll come quietly. You know, see? There is no debate. It says in step three in AA 12, there is no debate in the spiritual, in spiritual matters. Right? So this idea of negotiating food is a starter. What, they would tell, what Joe would tell me is, who's running this anyway? So what is it with a sponsor? There are no authorities. That's the other thing where people make mistakes. Okay? Am I done? Five minutes. Is it five? Okay. Okay. Oh, I got you. All right. Uh, we only, the only thing any one of us have to share is experience. So what you get to ask a sponsor who tells you to do something, if, you, if you're resisting it or feel scared or feel frightened, is to be honest. And say, I feel frightened. What was it like when you went through it? Because if you don't, if a sponsor isn't doing that, 
and says, well, do it because I told you. They're being an authority, and there are no authorities here. That's why I can't stand ABCs of abstinence. Right? Because the implication is that somebody knows something that I don't that they can teach. And you can't teach this. You have to experience it. Which I have had the gift of being given that. Like we were, you know, some of us were at the memorial for Natalie. Now, I don't know, I've, I've calculated in that room that day there might have been 600 years of abstinence there. Or something like that. Somebody said a thousand, but I, that was stretching. You know. But there was. There was a lot of people there who were abstinent. And this lady was a special lady. And the great thing about it is she didn't. She knew it, but she didn't know it. And that's the whole point. If I go around telling you how special I am, you're going to say, yeah, right. You know. But, but we all have a gift. See, and if we use that gift, and between anonymity... And sharing this experience, there's no reason why we can't just like a AA expand. You know, but what what gets in the way of that? Ego. So the word admit, I've got to admit what's going on to somebody. Doesn't have to be one person for everything. It help like the like the books in chapter seven of the big book. It says the advantage of the sponsor is he knows your case. And they talk about it like it's, like it's a medical issue, not like it's a moral issue. Like chapter 4, which is all about step 2, which is why it says in chapter 5, being convinced we were step 3, right? Um, it says if a mere code of morals or philosophy would have, we would have recovered a long time ago. We need a power greater than ourselves because this is a malady. It's an affliction. People try and think of, use therapeutic stuff to try and figure out why they're doing it, you know. And the thing is, if I'm a compulsive overeater, I eat for no reason at all. I eat because I find out why. (laughs) Or if you're bulimic, you know, vice versa. In other words, this is the language of the heart, not the language of the head. See? And the language of the heart, I never knew. I never never understood it because I felt defensive. I'm, I'm like everybody else. I had... You know, childhood, you know, all kinds of stuff. But, but just using words to show you that I understand what I, is not going to inspire me. What inspires me is when somebody faces something that they couldn't face before or that they used over. Now, we're all examples. Like I said, we carry a message. So if you keep eating, that's an example. If you keep relapsing, that's an example. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's why I'm here. You know, I'm working like crazy on an album. We're going to record in Montreal. I can go anywhere. I was on a plane and a guy, a 305 foot seven, 330 pound Jewish guy getting on a plane uh, in the afternoon, coming back in the evening is not me. And, And I've lost some weight that I had put on and I can wear clothes that I bought like you know, eight years ago, and I looked the part. In fact, the guy that hired me was wearing virtually the same thing, you know. I mean, we're, you know, it was like a brown tee, brown jacket, jeans, you know, and comfortable in them. See? And, see, the thing about being comfortable is, the paradox is, in order to get comfortable, you've got to be uncomfortable. So, you know, so that's, that's the deal. 
And my wife, who's absent in 20 years, says, you've got to fight for the right to be uncomfortable. And what does that mean? Is that when I'm being uncomfortable, now this, that's the other pair, it's the dealing with feelings, okay? Am I done yet? Okay. Okay. Dealing with feelings is you feel them. There is no dealing with feelings. There's no prescription for dealing with feelings. You just feel them. I can feel hot. I can feel cold. I can feel like killing somebody. I can feel hungry. Okay, that's it. Okay, but the point is, is that you don't have to do this alone. The trouble is you want to do it alone. So the thing is like troubles of our own making. Thanks for letting me share it. Keep coming back. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one, any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Namas as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself if being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OAG podcast. If being recorded, please restate the question after it's asked. So, it's questions, although I've explained it so well. <laughs> so, does anyone have a question? Yes. Hi. What's your name? What's your name? Oh, okay. Hi, Tara. Hi, Tara. I'm going to be following right to the novel. And thank you so much for your share. I really appreciated so much what you said. I do have, I just celebrated five years in the drink program. Um, and having done so, I feel like I should have a level of serenity greater than I do. And so now I feel like this is probably a program I need to be investigating. So I wonder, and I don't know if you can speak to like the crossover between the two or okay you know what I mean like yeah because I I'm, I'm wary <laughs> right <laughs> okay well I'm, that's a good question um, there's an old saying the credits oh uh, it, the question is about speaking about the crossover when you're in one fellowship and you go to another I guess how do you how can you find success and the second one? Is that a way to say it? Or? I guess also, like, it's very clear with one program what, um, if I was in it or out it or... Yeah, I got it. It's so much vaguer in this program. Okay, all right. So, so okay, there are a couple of things. One of, one of which is, is that one of the things they used to, they, we say is the credits are not transferable. <laughs> if I'm a compulsive overeater, I, the only way I'm going to abstain regardless of what my other addictions are, is to help other overeaters. That's what the steps are about. Not help other alcoholics, not be good at my church, but I got it. This is a disease. It has nothing to do with my moral, you know, um, uh, attributes. I don't know. Anyway, um, and, and Marty taught me this. In fact, there is a story, a woman's story in the fourth edition of the book, which says... And they taught me to identify, not compare. And just even in that last statement, comparison. What Marty taught me, my sponsor, he said, Ira, he says, you drink. You drink coffee. You drink diet soft drinks. You drink um, 
uh, a water. He says, you just don't drink poison. It's the same with the food. That's how he explained it to me. Instead of looking for how it's, well, we have to take the tiger out three times a day, you know, and, and alcohol. Listen, and, you know, uh, emotional sobriety is difficult, whether you be an alcoholic or an overeater. Okay. And so if you, like, in other words, the way to get this is to do the same things that brought you success someplace else. So, like, you greet people that you don't know. In fact, they taught me, for instance, I was told when I first came into the program, go to the three people you don't know and say, hi, my name's Ira. Look about how you doing? And then shut up. Okay, that's the words that were shut up. That's, I was, you know. But the point being, well, I want to hang with my friends, you know, or I have no friends. I want to be just by myself and poor me. Anyway, that's, that's the deal. You, I, I promise you, you do this thing. Oh, the other thing Marty said, uh, in fact, we just had the reading in chapter 5. It says, thoroughly followed our path. The word path is not plural. And that path is the, st- the spiritual change through the steps. But Marty told me, he said, the pace that you take it is up to you and your higher power and nobody else. So I hope that answers that. Oh, now we got some hands. Yes, sir. Oops. Thank you for talking about uh, sponsorship. Have you ever had a sponsee come to you with a problem you didn't have experience with? Yes. Um, I've had... The thing is to look for what... How you can help. Or say, you know what? I have no experience with this. But like generally... You know, it's been said there are like only basically five stories in the human condition. You know, it's one of those five. And you look, I look for, well, well, yeah, in fact, I had somebody, it was a work issue with a guy I'm sponsoring. And uh, he got himself into trouble with his mouth and so on. And and the point being that I explained I didn't have that kind of thing because of the nature of the work that I do. It's not a corporate thing, you know. But I did say, I did this, I did this, I did this, and this is what happened. And he related. And, 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 and I understand. It's like, so we're working. You know, he's writing on it and doing some stuff. So, in other words, you look for, if, if I'm humble enough, you know, and I can ask for hum- humility, but that's, even asking for humility is a lack of humility. You know. It's like, um, if I'm humble enough, I can find a way to connect, and that's the thing, so that you, say I'm sponsoring you, so that you, tell, you feel okay to tell the truth. So, that's, yes, I have. There were other hands. Uh, back here. Uh, thank you. It sounded like you have a lot of beef with OA. Um, so, what I'm saying is, there are a lot of things you're, you, you disagree about that are going on in meetings and people's programs. And I'm wondering how you how how you handle that so that it doesn't turn into anger that you know you're holding inside you. Well, uh, okay. The question is, it sounds like I disagree with OA. How do I, I see a lot of stuff in meetings I don't like? I'm angry at you know. How do I handle it so it doesn't get crazy? First of all, I don't have a lot of disagreements with OA. I have the differences with how I see things. 
I'll tell you the thing that, that's the most painful is to see so much relapse. To know that, you know, I come from OA from, you know, early 80s. And most of OA, at least around here, is down by about a third, at least in terms of meetings. I want to see OA succeed. However, I can't force it. I ran for general service. I was, you know, a couple of years ago. I ran for general service trustee. It's about the only place level of service I haven't done. And I was soundly, you know, I was the of four people running for I was, like, by a long shot. I had gone to 16 World Service Conferences, okay, and been involved with service. I was on a literature committee, you know, uh, uh, a lot of stuff. And, again, so how do I deal with it? Well, I had a situation. It's interesting. I had a situation where I am no longer involved with the... Um, Structure, structural part of OA. In other words, I'm not on an intergroup board anymore. I was intergroup, I did every service in the valley. I was intergroup chair three times, you know, done all of that stuff. Primarily my way of doing things is sponsoring people. Here's, I, I will, this is an opportunity to share how I dealt with something. Um, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, one of the birthday party um, uh, representatives came to an uh, intergroup meeting asking for money to have groups donate money so that more uh, nicer gifts could be, you know, something like that. And one of our own um, board members um, sort of like uh, uh, proxied the same idea. I got up and gently walked out and never looked back. Maybe five years before that, I would have gotten into a loud argument about it. I think it's, I, I feel that, that that was an as much of an egregious uh, violation of tradition as I've ever seen. You know, I mean, my personal feeling is if, you know, you want to have the birthday party and it's a fundraiser, that's fine. But we're supposed to be self-supported. If you need to ask for money from other, other groups, and we're hard-pressed in the, you know, money-wise. My point being, how I dealt with it is, and rather than get with a... And maybe it's the right thing to do. I'm not saying it isn't, you know. But rather than get into it, same thing with arguing about politics. It's like I walked away from it. Um, the last time, you know, and I've, I have a temper and I have strong opinions and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lady that came, who used to come to a hundred pounders meeting in the valley, I think it was really crazy. was, uh, I don't know, she, at the, she interrupted the meeting to tell me to stop cross-talking. And somebody had whispered something in my ear and I was responding and I wasn't. But after the meeting, she got in my face. And I just kept backing away. I didn't say a word. Finally, I mean, I'm backing away, and people are seeing this, right? And people, uh, you know, and obviously I put it out. You, you picked up on it, you know. I mean, that's part of my energy, I guess. Um, but I finally said, you're nuts, and turned completely away. And her boyfriend was there, and... 
I've never seen her since, but one of the guys in the meeting who also is an angry guy came up to me and says, man, he says, I've never, you handled that. That was incredible. And I think, you know, years before I would have responded in kind, you know. So you're right. It's, so how do you handle it? It's, how, it's like what they used, to, what Joe used to tell me. I hate sponsor. It's your behavior. It's your behavior. It's not your thoughts. It's not your intentions. It's your behavior. So regardless of whether I have a disagreement or I, I and it's not really a disagreement. I just I I I want to see people succeed. And um, uh, I have had the gift of continued long-term sponsorship. And I shared something with Marty that I was very ashamed of. It still comes up. You know, there's some sexuality stuff that's come up this part of my life that I never dealt with. Okay? So I shared some stuff with Marty, who is a conservative man. I took him out to lunch. And you know what he said to me? Five minutes here. You know what he said to me? He said, I already, he says, remember, it stops here. That's what he told me. In other words, he heard it. It was between he and I. And that's it. And once again, I felt like affirmed in what I'm doing here. So that's what I mean. It's, it's like the important thing for me about a sponsor is it's somebody you can talk to and dump the stuff out. And whatever it takes to get there, you know. So that's, I hope that answered the question. So, yeah, Carol. Uh, why did you gain weight and what did you do to... Okay. Um, yeah, why I gained weight was I was eating more. And I was more sedentary. I, when I first came in here, I was weightlifting five, uh, you know, six, seven days a week. I still go get on a treadmill. And, and all of my abstinence um, uh, time, I subsisted on two meals a day. Okay? Not three. I mean, I was... Because what would happen for me is that... Uh, my first meal would rarely be before noon because, like, I was afraid that if I ate an early breakfast from my history, I would just start keep eating. So that's how I always, I had always abstained. And so what happened was, is as, as, um, uh, as I, as I, have gone through my gone through my time and I've gotten older I've had more health issues I've become less physical you know there were times and anyway the point is weight came on and so the surrender was now my wife is 20 years absent the program that I'll let her tell me how much to eat that's what it was that's what it was and so she looked and she said, that's too much. You know, and I, and I, I, and I knew it was a surrender because I stopped fighting it. You know, I, like I didn't get angry with her for telling me, you know. And so it was effortless. It just stopped, it dropped off. You know, and that's how, that's what happened. And so I'm basically back to within five pounds about 
um, I think I, I weigh like 185, well, about 10 pounds, of where my original doctor, who has since retired, wanted me to be. And I came in at age 34 and I'm 67. So I think, does that answer? Uh, there was, yeah, Michael, that's fine. Is that, did that answer? Yeah, okay. Oh, you and then. Um, <coughs> you talked about compliance not being the same thing as surrender. And you described compliance as acting as if. Right. What is surrender to you? Surrender is, it's a state of consciousness. Um, I was... I had a, sponsor, a, a guy I used to call my food into Mel Hirsch who used to say about the third step. He says, it's not the decision. I like this. He said, it's not the decision you make. It's the consciousness behind it that's important. So in other words, surrender is I'll do anything. Not like, okay, I'm going to do what they want me to because I want them to like me. In other words, you've got to hit a bottom. And when you hit a bottom, it's not, there's no fight left. You know. Now, human beings, I, it comes back real easy, you know. And I also know now when I'm running a scam and when I'm not. So. Uh, okay. Michael? So just to piggyback on that, so your work, um, so I, I know me when I'm running a scam, and my fear in my work is that they're going to find out that I'm running a scam because I like the easier, softer way. Right. So you, you do, I do, I guess, a lot of your work independently. You're creative and stuff. But then when you put it out to the public, you get maybe feedback and, and maybe it sounds like judgment to me. How do you handle that? Well, that's, I mean, I'm at a point at which in my career, certainly, I've been doing it 40 years, okay, that it's like the composer Michael Giacchino says, he says, I have confidence, you know, and, and that's that's. It's another gift of a higher power. You know, it's, a, it's creative people. You know, it's like, oh, that's the other thing Joe used to tell me. He said, when I talk about this, he says, and he was a music director. He said, you're an artiste with an accent grave on the E. Okay. Your accent grave on the E. All that means is you can't handle a day job. That's, <laughs> well, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is you, you, just, you just do. You know, I mean, it's like, like I'm working for people, and they were New York people, and they wanted it now. And it was taking too long, but like I got a note from I finished it. I was doing all-nighters right after I came back from Berkeley. Finished it, and I'm so excited about working again and all that. So thank you very much. Thank you.